0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists who are working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Interviews are conducted with individuals who are doing clinical work as well as leading attachment theory researchers. Your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, will introduce you
1: to Kathy Schweitzer, who will discuss her work in family therapy, attachment, and
0: EMDR. Kathy Schweitzer is a licensed mental health practitioner, independent contractor, and is one of the co-founders of the Attachment and Trauma Center of Nebraska in Omaha. And now your host, Karen Doa-Buckwalter.
1: I am here with Kathy Schweitzer from the Attachment and Trauma Center of Nebraska. Welcome, Kathy. Hello. Morning. So it's good to talk with you and I want to thank you first of all for contributing to our book, Attachment Theory in Action, with a chapter about your
0: wonderful work. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be invited.
1: Yeah. And I always, every time I think of you guys and your book, I think, what crazy people write two books at once, one for the parents and one for the clinicians. And I always see you as like super duper overachievers. Mm
0: I think it was a it was a crazy project, but we hadn't written. I, Deb has written a book, but Stephanie and I had not written a book, and so when they said, "Hey, why don't you write two books?" we were like, "Sure, why not?" We didn't know any better. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sometimes, sometimes that's how it goes. So so tell me first just a little bit about your background and, you know, how you got involved in this kind of work and, and just a little bit so the audience gets a sense of who you
0: are. Okay. Well, I actually have my roots in um, teaching in school counseling. So a um, long time ago, I went to Creighton University and got my degree in psychology And then I decided I wanted to be a teacher, maybe in the future a school counselor, so I got my education degree. And then I decided um, that I wanted to be a counselor, so I went and got my master's degree back at Creighton University. And I spent about 15 or 16 years as a school counselor, both in the private sector and in the public sector. So I spent quite a few years um, with Omaha Public Schools as a school counselor. And I guess what I started to notice um, is that there were just problems everywhere. Um, school with all kinds of issues that, you know, were kept secretly in their heads, but I could see things were going on with their behaviors. And it just started to fascinate me, um, so I spent a lot of time, I spent nine years in one building. So I was able to really cultivate quite a few relationships. Um, and I began to know their families. And I began to see, like, I, I grew up in, in a very nice place with very nice parents. And I was aware that there were struggles in the world, but this brought it really right into my To my attention. And so I ended up getting quite involved with some families and some outreach uh, ministries to help these families because we know that these kids, in order to function at school, have to be able to function and get what they need at home. And so then, about, oh, I don't know, eight or nine years in, I thought I should probably try to do this one kid at a time instead of a ratio of 600 to Um, 1. Clearly, I was really I was outnumbered. Um, And so I really had the good fortune and I, fortune, I call it, I don't know, a God thing that um, I met up with Stephanie Armstrong and a couple of other school therapists and we found Deborah Wesselman to do our supervision. And that was the game changer for me. Um, Her insight and Her approach and her understanding of attachment and trauma is exactly what I had been seeing. And so that is when I made the leap to um, begin to get my certification for hours. And then one day uh, we were sitting in Deb Wesselman's office, probably in about 2006, and she looked at all of us and she said, hey, would you guys want to open a private practice? And if you know Deb Wesselman, that's just how she talks. You know, like, oh, no big deal. Hey, you want to go up for a cup of coffee? Where do you want to open a center? <laughs> and we're looking at her like, us? You're talking to us? And so here we are in 2017, um, all of us independent practitioners who have our licenses. So that's where my passion began. Now I get to work with kids and their families one-on-one, which um, is a challenge, but it's not 600 to one.
1: Yes, yes. And so we're all part of the Deb Wesselman fan club, right? right.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yes. Well, um, you know, what you guys put together with your model and your book, I remember as soon as I finished the book, like, closing it and immediately calling Deb and like, I love this book. I love this book. I'm so excited. Um, and I think, you know, several of the things I really liked about it, um, were one, I could see the background of education in the authors because it was so practical. You know, Mm -hmm. some of these books are so theoretical that you, you leave them thinking, okay, now, what does that really mean for my day-to-day practice, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that you had, um, as we mentioned earlier, that you have both the, the clinical book and then the parent companion book. And, and I thought that that was such a great idea. And I think the third thing among many things, but I'll just mention a third one for now, um, was that I felt even if you aren't trained in EMDR, There were so many different ideas, you know, everything from using the little uh, Russian nesting dolls for looking at the parts of the child's um, self and and just just, just all the different things. I I just thought were were really, really great. So, you know, hats off to you guys for that incredible accomplishment. Thank you. So I would imagine as you guys, you know, opened the, the practice and began to develop your model there were certain aspects that each of you contributed that were somewhat unique to you what what would you say what was your contribution or the part of the model that you really loved or really worked on developing or you know the part of the book that you enjoyed contributing what would you say?
0: I I think what I would say is at that time when we were beginning to write it and put it together I, I would have. I would have still called myself um, a newbie in terms of EMDR. Um, we had been trained and had been doing it for a number of years, but I still felt like mm, I don't know if I want to write about that. I'm not as confident, and so I feel like my greatest contribution was with the family therapy, and I think that just um, harkens back to all of the teaching that I did with kids in the classroom about teaching them about their brain and about their feelings. And I just, as we developed this model, we found out that kids miss are missing so much adaptive information. And how do you how do you get these kids to regulate and integrate their brain if they're missing half of the piece of the puzzle? And so I I feel like I was able to contribute to helping to fill in those maladaptive thinking missing parts with adaptive. And so I spent a lot of time um, researching and studying and just writing down what I did, um, which I think was just, you know, in a way, it's just funny to look back at it. It was just instinctual for me. Where I get out, I get up my whiteboard and I start teaching and educating the moms and the dads and the kiddos. And so that's, I think, my greatest contribution.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense with how you describe how many hours that you spent with these kids and these families mm-hmm. and probably really over those years getting a sense of where those holes are mm-hmm. in, in terms of understanding Yes, I can see that very much so. Um, and so also, if you could, for listeners, maybe give a quick overview of the model and and uh, just a little bit about how it works.
0: Okay. Um, well, it's, a, it's an integrative protocol. So a family, I, I think the easiest way to explain it is how a family comes to be a part of it. And so the quick and... The quick and fast version is a child comes in, we, ass- we provide some assessments and can tell based on their scores if they are up in the clinical areas of lots of behaviors and issues. So um, we developed this team treatment. So a family is assigned a, what we call a family therapist and an EMDR therapist. And so what happens in the ideal situation is that mom or dad, or both sometimes bring the kiddo into therapy. They start with the family therapist. There's a check-in, like a typical therapy session about the week's accomplishments or challenges. Then the child comes in um, with parents remaining in the session and we go through basically the family the family therapy side of the model. Um, I won't get into explaining all the different intricacies of the model because it's kind of long, but There are basically things that we want to accomplish in that family therapy side of the model. So we go through that. Um, So we do the skill teaching, we do a lot of the parenting assistance, and we also lay the groundwork for the EMDR. So if I'm the family therapist, what I'm going to do once we step into trauma work is I'm looking for those negative cognitions and positive cognitions and triggers then, when the kiddo was finished with the first hour, um, we asked the family to go back into the lobby and take a breather, and I go in and check in with the EMDR therapist, and I explain what had happened during the week very quickly. Um, we don't have a lot of time. I don't want to spend twenty minutes with member staff to talk about what was happened, and then I explain where we were in the protocol, what we worked on, and then I help. I explain to her. Um, here's what the NC is. Here's what the trigger is. I think, and then that um, that whole group comes back into the EMDR therapist office, and um, away they go. So the beauty is that the kiddo not only gets some psychoeducation and some skill practice, as well as the as well as the parents getting what they need, but then they get a full hour of EMDR. And um, average length of treatment for. a for a teen kiddo is probably a year of consistent back-to-back therapy. So that's the way – that that's the easiest, fastest way to explain the model.
1: Mm-hmm. That's how it works on a day-to-day basis. Yes, and so they're there for a couple hours when they come in. Yeah, two. Yes, okay. Um, and something that you uh, – pointed out that um, is another thing I wanted to ask you about is that your use of standardized assessments. Mm -hmm. And it has seen that from the very beginning, somebody there had the wisdom to um, look at very specific protocols and partner with uh, someone to, to help you with research and um, Ann Potter, I believe um, is.
0: Yes, we have another clinician in our office, Dr. Ann Potter. And we also worked with um, a woman by the name of Megan Davidson at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln who um, research is kind of her thing. So, so whose
1: that. idea was it, you know, from the very beginning to make sure you're, we're looking at some research protocols. <laughs>
0: Geez, I don't know. I think the team treatments, we started doing, we we just started implementing it. And then we thought, man, we should maybe try to keep better track of how we're doing. So we were seeing some really positive results. And we thought, well, we're going to have to maybe be able to explain to other people if we're going to try to teach this, how do we know for sure? And I think we just decided again, We just kind of go off on random tangents sometimes. We're like, hey, why don't we do a research project?
1: That's not, hey, it's not random tangents. It's good (laughs) vision. It's vision. Maybe
0: maybe it's that. To us, it's just like, oh, shoot, we'll go do a research project. Eight (laughs) years later, we're still working on it. Um, So what we did is um, a bunch of the clinicians in the office uh, myself, Deb Wesselman, Stephanie Armstrong, uh, Mandy Volkmer was part of that team. Dan Bruckner was part of that team. Megan Davidson and Ann Potter. We just started doing a search for assessments that we thought would uh, measure what we wanted to measure. Um, so we probably spent probably at least a year trying to sift through that and then come up with um, you know our our. our what exactly did we want to research and how did we want to assess that and do all that stuff that you have to do to run a research project. So I I think it was born out of a conversation after we saw some positive results of this team treatment that we just put together.
1: Yes. And so what are the front end assessments that you use? Are there some you think would be appropriate
0: for other therapists doing this kind of work? Sure. Um, I'm going to try to remember them. Um, If people... If people want to know exactly where they are and where to buy them, you can go to our website. Right. And yeah, they're in the back of the book as well. Right. Um, I know that we use the Child Behavior Checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, is, I don't think, you don't want me to explain all these, do you? Yeah, you can, no, I just thought just, you know, yeah, throwing a couple out there. Probably our favorite one is the Attachment Disorder Scale Revised, the ADASR. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the measures that I, I don't know how we found it that really was specifically looking at attachment. We also used the RADQ, which I know um, is not always highly regarded, but it does give good information. Um, we also did some parental assessments, the OQ45 for symptoms distress. We used the parental bonding inventory. Um, I would recommend. Um, the CBCL, the ADASR, the other one that's that's really good is the Trauma Symptom Checklist for Young Children. That mm-hmm. helps to screen for dissociation and sexualized behaviors mm-hmm. as well. So those are the ones I would recommend.
1: Yeah, we use the Trauma Symptom Checklist too. And mm-hmm. instead of the CBCL, we use the BASC. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's nice to have a little bit of chatting about assessments because I think too often – those in doing the clinical work are not using standardized assessments. And I think it's important. So I I was real happy that you you mentioned that and brought that up. So with the, um, I know you have also done some um, parent classes Mm -hmm. at this point is most of the education you do with parents throughout the course of therapy or are you still offering those parent classes? And I can imagine even the parent book that you guys wrote could have maybe taken the place of some of that, but was just wondering about that piece. Cause the parent piece is so important. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, right. We were teaching classes live in our office. Um, it's difficult to um, have enough time in the week to structure all those classes and somebody to teach them and for parents to sign up. Um, so what we've done is we've created an online on demand, self-paced parenting class so what, we, yeah, so what we did is we just recorded all of the classes, um, and that is available to watch for parents. We also encourage our, our parents to read the book. And then what we do on a regular basis every week is we are constantly weaving in um, you know, what we believe in terms of parenting strategies and integrative parenting. So we do spend a lot of time in the clinical session on the family therapy side helping to psychoeducate. Um, those parents, So they have a couple of different options um, mm-hmm. that they can get their hands on that information. Great. That's
1: excellent. Uh, um, I would imagine, too, in doing the classes, it would be sometimes hard to time it like the way you needed them to be, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: yeah. Depending on where they were in treatment, sometimes it was, you know, they sign up really late. so um, Yes, yes. So,
1: yeah, so one of the final things that um, I wanted to ask you, Kathy, is a lot of times when I hear people talk about EMDR or my own experience, we say, you know, if you're dealing with um, single-episode trauma or just a specific incident of trauma, EMDR is like magic. It just – you just can't believe how quickly it works. And I know it's different with developmental trauma and the, the complexity of the trauma in the children we work with, but share with me a little about why you think it's an essential ingredient for that work for you guys as well.
0: That's a, that's a great question. It's funny because I can't imagine doing therapy without it anymore. Um, I guess after all the research that has has been developed about the neurobiology of the brain and how the brain works and how the brain remembers things and processes things, that EMDR um, has a protocol that just just matches and fits right in with creating neural pathways that are different. And so, um, you know, I can't say that I've done a ton of research about EMDR versus regular talk therapy, but what I see in my clinical practice every day is a little bit of that magic where you can see the progression of thinking um, as you implement the EMDR. You can, you can actually hear and see the changes in their thinking, which I attribute to the EMDR and addressing those, those neurological issues in their brain. So um, I can't imagine doing therapy without it, um and I, I i guess um what we've seen is that kids and adolescents change their thinking and they're able to sustain those changes over over time mhm
1: mhm yes yes i mean i think it makes sense what i was thinking about when you were talking is how if we think of Boldly's concept of the internal working model and how firmly and deeply entrenched that is and that sometimes it feels like you're just trying to chip away and chip away and get some of that changed. And I think that EMDR, you know, if we think of it that way, really helps with that whole process um, and allows it to open up and go more, more rapidly. So
0: it's really about their own thinking and what they have connected in their brain versus what another person is trying to tell them what to do and how to think right right right
1: well kathy thank you so much for your time today and being willing to speak with me and also thank you so much for your contribution to attachment theory in action um we're really honored that you guys were willing to contribute a chapter to the book so thank you very much
0: you're welcome thank you all right Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, TraumaAttachmentCenter.com, or subscribe to our iTunes channel for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, log on to TraumaAttachmentCenter.com. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, developmental trauma, and attachment theory.